This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live. Carlin Gay, Scott Rafferty. We are knee-deep in the middle of the NBA playoffs, 2021 playoffs. They're happening. Only one team moving on so far, Scott. That is the Milwaukee Bucks. They eliminated the Miami Heat in four games, a four-game sweep, exercising your demons from the bubble. They look like a very good team. We'll talk a little bit about them a little later on. And uh, we'll also get to their potential opponent or their potential matchup with the Brooklyn Nets, with all due respect to the Boston Celtics, who are down 3-1 in that series. We'll give love to uh, one of your favorite players in the league, if not the favorite player of yours in the league, Nikola Jokic. And we'll talk about the Utah Jazz uh, and whether or not we believe they're contenders. We'll also talk about the 76ers, who may have run into a little bit of a pothole with the injury to Joel Embiid. But speaking of injuries, we have to start with potentially the biggest one of the entire postseason, Anthony Davis uh, and his groin injury, Scott. Uh, Anthony Davis is unlikely, according to Shams uh, Sharanya of The Athletic, to play in Game 5 against the, the Phoenix Suns. That series is tied at 2. If the Lakers don't have AD, do they have a shot at defending their title? I mean, it's hard to say because we don't really know the extent of the injury at this point. But I think you look at how he played, how he rebounded from game one and played in game two and game three, dropping 34-10 and 10 and 34-11 in those games. I think it's pretty clear what, what his value is to this team. <laughs> and ultimately, with him not on the court, obviously impacts him on both ends. But I really think it puts a lot of pressure on, obviously, LeBron James. He's still arguably the best player in the league, which is incredible, considering the amount of mileage that he's had and his age and everything, but it feels a little early to put this much pressure on him. And Al Gilbert McGregor wrote an article in NBA.com today in which he detailed kind of how the Lakers performed this season without AD. And they were 11-7 and when LeBron played and Anthony Davis didn't. But they were 10-1 and against non-playoff teams in those games and then 1-6 and against playoff teams. So that's a little worrying. The Suns team is legit. They had a fantastic regular season on both ends of the court. Obviously, a lot of this hinges on Chris Paul kind of being back to himself, which he looked much better in the second half of that game, that game four win. Um, so offensively, I think this Lakers team is going to struggle. That's where they're going to miss Anthony Davis the most. Defensively, we're not, they, we know what they're going to bring. But, um, I mean, it's, it's certainly going to be tough for them to get out of this series without him. Yeah, it, will, it really will. And you hit the nail on the head for me. What it is comes down to offensively. Who can step up? We know that KCP has been compromised. He's, he's uh, dealing with injury himself. And even when he was healthy, he just wasn't able to find his shot the same way in the bubble. The Lakers as a team haven't been able to hit uh, shots the way they had in the bubble. So who's going to step up? Is it Kyle Kuzma? Is it Dennis Schroeder who had a great game two and, and three uh, that offensively for the Lakers? Can he again kind of sort of carry that offensive load uh, throughout? And then Andre Drummond, what's up with him? You know, he, he is a guy that uh, changes things. A little bit. If he can't provide you some offense, we saw that early in that game too, where he was terrific offensively, and then AD took over from there. But if Andre Drummond can be that secondary scorer for LeBron James, maybe a lob threat in, in those pick and roll situations, it does open up shots for the rest of the team. 
Um, when you look at injuries, we have to look at the Philadelphia 76ers as well. Joel Embiid going to be out, uh, potentially out of the lineup, I should say. Uh, he left game four with a knee injury, took a hard spill in that first quarter, did not return. And this Sixer team, as you mentioned, uh, we, we talked about it off air. This Sixer team is completely different when Joel Embiid is not on the floor. It's uh, pretty remarkable, actually. The uh, It's a similar story with AD and the Lakers. Like, when Embiid is not in this season, they defended at a really high level. Um, this team is just locked in on that end of the court. They have a bunch of really um, versatile defenders, guys who know what their, their job is. It's offensively, whether, I mean, it goes without saying, the guy had one of the most dominant seasons we've seen in a long time from, from a center. But according to NBA.com, the Sixers scored at a rate of 117.8 points per 100 possessions with Embiid on the court this season, which, for some context, would be the best offensive rating in the league. Without him, that number dropped to 106.5, which is uh, it's not good. It, it would have ranked them between the Houston Rockets and the Cleveland Cavaliers for the 28th-ranked offense. Um, and obviously, you know, this team does have offensive firepower. They are talented. They have Ben Simmons, who's fantastic in transition. Tobias Harris has had an all-star caliber season. But this team is built around Joel Embiid and him being, you know, one of the most physically dominant players in the league, a guy who is basically unstoppable out of the post with the way that he's kind of transformed his game. So similar deal with the Lakers. I, I, I do think defensively um, the 76ers should be okay or they should be able to keep their heads above water without Embiid. But offensively, like this team just looks completely different, and it's probably going to require them to make some some really strong stylistic changes um, to to kind of make up for that void, depending on how much time he does miss. Yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt them too much against the Wizards. I, I think we saw Ben Simmons plays his best sort of when he has shooters around him. The Sixers, as we know, have plenty of shooters: Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris shot almost forty percent from three point range this season. It hasn't carried over to the playoffs yet, but we know that he's capable. And and also George Hill, you know, a, a quiet, uh, you know add for this Sixer team late in the season and in Forkhan Korkmaz. So they do have shooters that they can uh, sort of bring to the table. Going forward, we mentioned the Atlanta Hawks are waiting. Um, that could be a potential matchup in the second round, uh, providing the Hawks beat the Knicks. They're up 3-1 in their series. How can they kind of you know put a Band-Aid on the Joel Embiid problem if it's going to last longer than a couple of games, if it's going to last into the second round series with potentially the Atlanta Hawks? Well, that, that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, what does Doc Rivers do with this team if Joel Embiid can't go? Because, you know, Dwight Howard is their backup center there, but playing him alongside Ben Simmons isn't, you know, doesn't make for the most potent offense. So do they still roll with that and kind of keep that size? Or do they kind of just go small and play basically Ben Simmons at center, surround him with a bunch of shooting, um, and then just turn games into a track meet? And still defensively, you know, that that's where it comes in, comes in handy that Ben Simmons is one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA, basically can guard every position, even some centers, um, even though he will be tested against one of the best offensive rebounders, offensive rebounders in the league in Clint Capella if that matchup happens. But um, yeah, it, it just it, it, it poses a very interesting question for the Sixers on kind of what lineups they throw out there um, and kind of what identity they can kind of forge without Joel Embiid. Because again, like this team's been built around him. Like, they, they got shooters in the offseason in Seth Curry and Danny Green um, for Ben Simmons as well because he needs shooting. But this idea that, you know, teams can't load up in the post as much on Joel Embiid, like that's why they went out and did it. So th this team, Embiid is their identity, um, but they still have some kind of 
some tricks up their sleeve, I feel like, uh, which is it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm sure we'll see more of it in the next game against the Wizards because um, it's going to get, only get more difficult here on out for them. Yeah, it should it should uh, it should get harder. That's what the playoffs are. You know, you play the play the easier teams, and I don't want to say easier with any disrespect. These are still playoff teams. You play the uh, lower seed teams and uh, harder teams, harder seeded teams later on. The Hawks look like they figured out their identity. The Hawks look like they have figured out how they want to win basketball games, and everyone seems to be fitting in perfectly. And they do have multiple ways to beat you. If one way is not working, they're going to move to another way. So that's going to be a more compelling series than I think many t- thought. Even with Joel Embiid in the lineup, I-, I think the Sixers are going to have their hands full with the Atlanta Hawks. All right, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies shocked everyone by beating the Utah Jazz in game one of that series and I think the naysayers of the Jazz kind of came out of the woodwork early and and basically said hi this Utah Jazz team it's a regular season team they're not built for the postseason Uh, this is what we expected and since then the Jazz have clobbered the Memphis Grizzlies they're going to move on to the second round no question about it they're up 3-1 over the Grizzlies it's going to take a miracle plus one uh, for the Grizzlies to come back in that series Donovan Mitchell hasn't even played to his uh, you know his standard that he set in the bubble a season ago where he was going back and forth with Jamal Murray with uh, you know 50 burgers all around Um, he's just been playing well Uh, he hasn't really he hasn't really taken off yet and this Jazz team is making it look easy. Their offense is as as advertised, really good. Their defense is really good. Is this Jazz team making you reconsider now that you see them in a playoff series uh, that they could potentially get to the NBA Finals? I, I think they're actually, if I saw it correctly this morning, they're now the betting favorites to make it out of the Western Conference. Um, and I think some of that has to do with kind of the state of the Western Conference right now with you know, injuries to the, the the Suns and the Lakers, Denver and Portland being, you know, the teams that they are, and then who knows what to make of this Dallas Clippers first-round series. Um, I mean, look, we, we just talked about kind of Philly's identity. This Jazz team knows who they are. They're totally bought in defensively. Rudy Gobert is almost certainly going to win Defensive Player of the Year this season. Offensively, they move the ball around really well. They basically set, I think they set the NBA record this season for threes made. Uh, per game like this this team shoots the lights out and they have you know two great offensive guards in Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell I I, I'm still a little hesitant um, just because I I am curious to see kind of what this team does look like defensively when they have to match up with a Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic because they just don't really have that wing size to throw at those types of players Um, and then another thing is like what happens when those threes don't fall like we saw that in that first game against the Grizzlies. Obviously, they did not have Donovan Mitchell, and that's a huge piece to this team. He's their best offensive player. But I, I don't know. I, I still feel like I need to see it against a really good team um, to be totally bought in, and we're going to get that in the second round. Whether it's the Mavericks or the Clippers, I think either of those teams are really going to test the Jazz, and it's going to be a hard-fought series. So I'm, I'm not quite all the way there in saying, like, this Jazz team is going to make the NBA Finals, but credit to them. Like, they've been awesome all season long totally bought in they have an identity and they're taking care of business in the first round yeah i'm not all the way bought in either but i am closer to being bought in than i was at the start of the postseason and i and i do have to take this with a grain of salt in the sense that the lake not the lakers sorry the memphis grizzlies 
aren't a juggernaut. Like you know, the Jazz should be you know beating up on the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a, a very young team, promising team. The future is bright for Memphis. They're not there yet, but the the Jazz are, are are sort of doing what they're supposed to do. For me, it's how they're doing it and the confidence that they're playing with, uh, and and the fact that Mitchell hasn't really hit that clip that we know he's capable of hitting. He's going to have one game, one or two games in this postseason run where he explodes, and and it hasn't happened yet. And I think that is something to to keep, you know, if you're a betting guy or a betting gal, um, you know, th- this is a, a team that if they are the betting favorites to reach the NBA Finals, then maybe there's a very strong reason why. And you mentioned the rest of the West. Uh, that's the real thing that really makes me reconsider whether or not they'll make a deep run. The Clippers, I think they're vulnerable. Uh, I said off the air, Scott, to you and everyone uh, on the NBA Global staff, that I'm going to be picking against the Clippers in every single series going forward, no matter who they play in six games. And if it comes down to Clippers-Utah, I'm going with the Utah Jazz in six games. Um, I, I do think that they are uh, better equipped to beat the Clippers in different ways. And as as well as the Clippers have looked in the series with the Mavericks in the last two games, that's been offensively for them. Uh, defensively, I, I do still see some holes for them. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the Mavs shooting... Uh, has come back down to earth, so that has made them look a little bit better defensively than I think they're actually playing. But uh, I think Utah's a different beast. I think Utah's shooters are all, all across the board and players that can get to the rim all across the board. So that's going to be a, a more interesting series with a team that can put pressure on you offensively rather than just one player. So I do think that the Clippers are vulnerable there. And if they do move past the Clippers, now you're looking at either the Phoenix Suns or compromised Laker team or uh, you know Portland or Denver. And I think the Jazz would have to be favored in all those series against those teams other than a healthy Laker team. So it is looking favorable for the Utah Jazz. If they can stay healthy, stay the course, uh, you know, their regular season will be worth uh, what, what they went through. And it would be a big turnaround from a season ago where they got bounced in the first round after going up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets. And uh, let's speaking of the Denver Nuggets, time to get to your favorite player, uh, Nikola Jokic. Let's go out and say it. Uh, this is just our opinion. No, nothing confirmed yet, but we do think the two of us think that Nikola Jokic is going to be uh, this year's league MVP, and uh, it, it's it's quite a story. Uh, really is, uh, you know, if you had made it into a Hollywood script, I think that you know you could sell it to any uh, any studio in Hollywood right now. It, it, that is a it's really a made for movie sort of story. Nikola Jokic coming basically out of nowhere, second round pick. Uh, he's now a top 10 player in the league, no question about it. He's going to be the league MVP. Uh, first time uh, that a second round pick has won the MVP award. And his rise to superstardom it has been incredible. Um, the floor is yours, man. ISO for you, Mr. Rafferty. Talk about your man, Nikola Jokic, <laughs> and how good he's actually been this season. Uh, how long do I have? Are you giving me an hour, two hours here? Um, <laughs> Look, he, he's just – I'll keep this relatively short because I have something coming out, um, as do you, this week. We're kind of throwing together a Jokic week in anticipation of what is to come or what we think is to come. Um, and my thing is basically kind of look, peeling back and looking at some of the stats from his season. And, I mean, a couple of things jump out. One, he's one of the most complete scorers in the league now. Like, he, he's been one of the best post-up scorers basically since he – well, since he kind of – you know, found his role, found his feet in the NBA. But he's gone from someone who can space the floor from mid-range and three-point range to being an absolute assassin from basically everywhere. Like, he has an answer to pretty much every single coverage a team can throw at you. He has one of the best floaters in the NBA. 
he was one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA this season. He can he can pick and pop. He can face up out of the out of the post. You can run little pin downs for him. And he also shot nearly forty percent from three this season, which was the best three-point shooting season of his career. Um, and when you put all that together with his post-ups, he's just a guy who really can score against anyone. And the problem is, is that if you play in single coverage, he's gonna he's he's just gonna rain it down on you. He's he's capable of going for forty points. Um, but if you throw a double team at him, I mean, Colin, we, we talked, I feel like three years ago about whether or not he was the best passing big man in NBA history. And it kind of felt like it was a debate. Like I said, he was, but there was more of a discussion. It's not a discussion anymore. He is not only the best passing big man in NBA history. He's one of the best passes in the NBA right now in a league that has LeBron James, James Hahn, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, like the things that he does as a passer, you just don't see from a lot of other players, the way he manipulates defenses, the back line. Um, I, I went through earlier this season and wrote about like his six assists that I, I just I loved the most. And it, it's just crazy the things that he does. And he actually has the – he posted the highest assist percentage in NBA history for a center this season, um, 40.4. And his name's actually in four of the top five assist percentage seasons by a center, by the way. So this is – Nothing new. It just feels like he's kind of peaked um, as a passer this season. And then last but not least, I mean, you, we've talked a little bit about the on-off numbers for other teams. Denver scored at a rate of 120.2 points per 100 possessions this season with Jokic on the court. Not only would that have been the best offensive rating in the league by an at like a mile, a country mile, um, it was significantly better than when he was on the bench. They scored 103.4 points per 100 possessions. So that's that's basically 17 points per 100 possessions better offensively with him on the court. And when you think of the kind of condensed offseason that the Nuggets had, the health and safety protocols they dealt with, the injury obviously to Jamal Murray, some of the roster turnover, the fact that Jokic played all 72 games, logged the third most minutes in the league this season, and posted up not only those individual numbers, but had that, that, that impact on that team that finished with the fourth seed in the Western Conference, I mean... That's your MVP right there. Yeah, he's been incredible. As you said, we both have uh, articles coming out on NBA.com regarding Mr. Jokic in the lead-up to uh, what we believe will be an MVP announcement uh, within the next week or so. Um, You talked a lot about his offense. I took a look at his defense, and I was was very critical of Jokic um, in the debate whether or not he was the best big man in the league. And my argument against him was that if you are – going to be in the conversation to be the best big man in the league, you can't be off the floor when the game is on the line. And he wasn't off the floor on the offensive end. He was mainly off the floor on the defensive end. And I just I just felt like you couldn't be a DH. You couldn't only play offense. You had to do it on both ends of the floor if you were going to be in the conversation to be the best in the league at your position. Uh, that is no longer the case. Jokic is is often on the floor when the game's on the line defensively as well. Um, you know, maybe that has to do with the fact that uh, you know Plumlee is not used in those scenarios anymore, like he was uh, prior. But it's also, I think, a, a lot has to do with the fact that Jokic is now a better defender than what he was when he came into the league. He's put a lot more effort in and, and work. And, and my story is about is basically about his growth defensively, especially this year, and what's turned him into an MVP uh, caliber player. So you can check both of those out on NBA.com. All right, we know that the Milwaukee Bucks are moving on to the second round. 
We can assume that the Brooklyn Nets are very much going to join them, meaning we have the clash in the second round um, of two Titans, the Bucks, Nets. I don't want your prediction just yet, but I feel like that series will begin before we talk to everyone again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. So, Scott, give me your thoughts, your early thoughts, and with all due respect to the Boston Celtics on uh, this this pending Bucks nets series in round two. I mean, this has the potential to be the best series in this season's playoffs because I, I think that the two best teams in the East, I think based on the landscape right now, you could argue that the, the two best teams in the NBA um, and the Nets, obviously they have their big three, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. We haven't seen much of them this season. Um, we've actually seen, it feels like more of them in the playoffs than we did in the regular season. And they've been spectacular offensively. Um, nobody has pretty much any answer for them. But they're playing a Bucks team that I do think matches up maybe better than any other team in the league does. Drew Holiday, being able to kind of put him on Kyrie and or James Harden. He can even guard Kevin Durant if needed. You know, Giannis, one of the, we talked about this last week as well when we talked about their, their series with the Heat. You know, one of the knocks on him and the Bucks last season was, you know, he's the defensive player of the year. Jimmy Butler's lighting you up in the second round of the playoffs and you're not guarding. Like, why, why don't you do more of that? And they kind of gave, gave the answer, you know, we're going to stick to the system and everything. Fast forward to this year, and Giannis guarded Jimmy Butler uh, most, pretty much the entire series. It was him and P.J. Tucker, and they completely took him out. And then now he's probably going to get matched up with Kevin Durant, who is, you know, the, the best offensive player or scorer that we've seen at the fourth position potentially ever. Um, also having an MVP caliber season, even though he missed a bunch of time with injuries and things like that. He's healthy now. So I just think, and, and the Bucks obviously offensively, they've done some few things this season with the playoffs in mind, using Giannis more as a role man, putting people in the dunker spot. Like this just, this is going to be a heavyweight fight. I really do feel like the Nets on paper, the best team in the league. I do think the Bucks really do have a chance in this series. Um, and I think at least where we sit right now today, I think it's safe to assume that whichever team does come out of this series will probably win the finals. Um, that could change depending on the health of certain players like Anthony Davis, um, a Joel Embiid potentially. But I really do think these are the two best teams right now, and it, it's, it's going to be a fantastic series. I'm going to say it, Scott. The winner of this series wins the NBA championship, and here's why for both sides. When you look at the Bucks, they have the potential, as you mentioned, with those three guys, Drew Holiday, uh, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo to match up well with the Brooklyn Nets defensively. Then you have P.J. Tucker, and then Brooke Lopez. He may not be shooting the lights out on three-point range, but teams are struggling to score against him uh, in the paint uh, in the playoffs. He, he really bothered the Heat. They never were able to figure out whether or not they should go all the way to the 10 because he intimidated them, and, and they were kind of caught in no man's land because uh, the length of the Bucks made it a little bit more difficult in the mid-range, in the floater range, for them to, to make that decision to take that shot. So the, the Bucks' defense, to me, if they're able to stop the Nets, they aren't, for the rest of the playoffs, going to see a team that is as talented offensively as the Brooklyn Nets are. So if they're able to get through the Nets, they're getting through anybody. On the other side, the exact same thing goes for the Nets. If they're able to get through the Bucks, they're going to get through anybody. There is not a team defensively remaining in the NBA if they eliminate the Bucks that is going to be able to stop this Brooklyn Nets team. You have uh, perfect matchups across the board. Giannis can, you know, hold his own against KD. James Harden, uh, you know, is is going to be uh, guarded by either Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday, two guys that who are all NBA defensive type players. 
and Kyrie Irving, same thing. And then as I mentioned, the Brook Lopez deal there and P.J. Tucker, it doesn't get any easier when he comes into the game. So if the Nets are able to get past the Bucks, they are not going to see a defense or uh, you know defenders that are as versatile as them. You could bring up the Clippers. No, it's not the same. I'm sorry. Kawhi and, and Paul George, they have definite, they're still great defenders. Maybe, maybe in Kawhi's aspect, he's great. Paul George is good. But they're not, they're not the three that Milwaukee can roll out there, and they definitely don't have the secondary support in the term of Brooke Lopez and, and, and P.J. Tucker on the floor as well. And in LeBron and AD, great. If they're super healthy, that's awesome. But I'm sorry, that's two against three, and the Nets will get past them as well. Um, uh, it is – this Nets team and this Bucks team, if they're able to you know get past each other, whoever wins this series, I'm saying it right now, and you can hold hold me to it, they will win the NBA title. This, to me, is the NBA, the pseudo NBA Finals. I know people hate to hear that, uh, but th- that that's the truth. And it's it's great that we're getting it this early, but it, it's kind of eh, it, it kind of loses luster for me a little bit because it, it, it's so early in the playoffs that uh, you know the 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 next team that they face, uh, I'm not going to be as up for in this series as I would be, or in that series as I am this series. This series is is going to be a thriller. And I think the Bucks have more of a chance than people give them credit for. I don't know what my prediction will be. You'll have to be on NBA.com to figure that out. I, I need more time to think about it. But I do think that the winner of this series will win the NBA title. I don't want to throw – like, I don't want to downplay the Sixers, by the way. And obviously, we just talked about it. Joel Embiid needs to be healthy for them to be able to make a run to the finals. And I have huge questions about them offensively because I think when push comes to shove, teams are going to load up on Joel Embiid with more size than the, than the Wizards have – and it might just gum things up enough to slow them down. But defensively, I mean, that team's a monster as well. You have, you have Ben Simmons, who will probably be the runner-up for defensive player of the year this season, can guard anyone. They can throw him on any of those three players on the net. Sure. You have Matisse Tybel, who is a legit, like a legit all-defense candidate this season. Sure. Comes off the bench, doesn't play a ton of minutes, but he's, he's become one of the most disruptive perimeter defenders in the league. Then you have Danny Green, who, uh, you know, he's not necessarily the player that he once was. Still a really smart defender. You can throw him on one of those guys. And, of course, you have Joel Embiid in the back line protecting the rim. So I do think, even though I have concerns with that team offensively at the end of the day, defensively I do think they could give um, the Nets a little bit of trouble as well. But I think that's what makes the, bo- the Bucks so interesting because they're, they're almost the best of both worlds. Like they, they do have the defenders needed to match up with the Nets. And then offensively, like this team, when they're firing all cylinders, is really tough to slow down, as the Heat learned in the first round. Drew Holiday is a huge addition for them in that regard. Chris Milton had an underrated season, was a legit all-star candidate, even though he missed out this season. And obviously, Giannis is Giannis. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I think right now I, I am actually leaning a little bit towards like Bucks in six because I think if it goes to a seven game, I, it's hard to bet against the Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So I think if the Bucks do win, it will probably be in six games. But it's also like I, I really don't see, kind of like you, I, I think this is the only team that really can beat the Nets, it, uh, provided they are healthy. So if it doesn't happen now, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't give any credence to the Sixers beating these any of these two teams. And, uh, you know, they are great defensively, as you mentioned. I just – their offense is not at the level of the, what these two teams can put on the floor. No one's going to be able to score with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, whether or not you can slow them down, cool. But can you still score enough on the other end to make it worth your while? And, and that's where I have 
you know problems with the Sixers. Uh, and then the same for the Bucks. The Bucks are as good a defensively team, you know, as you will have in the league right now. And then, as you mentioned, their offense is just as good as their defense. They're, they're probably the best two-way team out of the three. So if the Nets are able to get past that, because um, the Nets' defense is horrible. Uh, let's let's face it. The, the, we, we see what the Celtics are doing to them with basically one guy uh, running the show. Now the the, the, the Nets are going to have to try to guard three all-stars, not just one. Um, so if they're able to do that, and get past the Bucks, uh, they're not worried about the Sixers because the Sixers on the offensive end, you worry about Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. We saw in the Wizards game four, um, you know his limitations offensively really do hurt you. And Tobias Harris, he, he can't be trusted sometimes. So I, I just don't think the Sixers have enough firepower there. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that if it does happen. Um, you know, just wanted to touch base on the Nets Bucks because we that series will likely start before we get to speak to you again a reminder if you missed any part of the podcast you can or the live show i should say you can go and find the podcast nba sound system wherever podcasts are found and every single tuesday right here on nba global networks at three eastern across the world canada australia and india you can hear our voices breaking down nba playoff action for scott rafferty i'm carlin gay enjoy your week enjoy playoff action and we will see you back here next tuesday at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific